Well, thanks again for being here. We are finishing up this series that we started uh, actually a number of weeks ago. We've been interrupted through numerous weeks from different activities and different speakers. But uh, today we want to talk about um, the fourth law of the harvest. And this is the one probably that's going to be the most difficult for us to understand because it's called the law of interval or time. We live in a fast-paced world, don't we? We are moving at a very rapid pace, doing the things that we want to do, doing the things that are important to us. It's not all bad. I get that. But we're, so many, we're, we're moving so fast in so many different areas of our life that we're really not really seeing maybe the big things that are happening around us. That's why this is a hard lesson because this involves something that we don't control, and that's time. Time. Time flies by very, very quickly. And the older you get, it just seems like the faster it goes. And we want things to happen very quickly on our time frame. I know you're like me. I'm not going to give you an out here. Everybody is impatient. I don't know of a patient person, truly a patient person in this world, because we are, we're, we're, we're focused, we're modeled, we're conditioned to want everything now. That's why we have microwaves. We don't even want to wait for the water to boil anymore. We put it in a microwave and we want it right now. We want it hot. We don't like to wait for coffee. We like it hot now. We are just conditioned to want everything in our time frame, in our pattern, in our control, as we talked about earlier this morning. But God has his way of doing things. And his way of doing things bypass and circumvent and are so much higher than our ways. God's laws are based on his timing. And I hate to pop your bubble, but not yours and not mine. As much as I would like God to march to my beat, he doesn't. He marches to the beat because he's the creator. And when I recognize that, it helps me. So let's learn what it means to wait on him today. The law of the interval means that it's going to take time for the plant to grow after the seed has been planted, that there's an element of time before one can harvest. And patience truly is a virtue, truly is something we need to develop in our life and practice it. So for completeness sake, let's review the four, law, the four laws of the harvest. The first law is the law of investment that says, you reap only if you sow. The second law says that you reap in like kind what you sow. So the second law is a law of identity. You reap what you sow. The third law is the law of increase, meaning that you reap more than you sow. It doesn't make any sense for you to plant one seed and reap one seed. There's going to be more. It only makes sense that there would be an increase to your sowing. And then today, the fourth law is that we sow and then we be patient. All of these laws complement each other, but the law of interval is truly the glue that holds them all together. Let's look at the example of the farmer that we've been talking about over the past weeks. Remember, if a farmer wants to get a harvest of corn, he must do some things. First of all, according to the first law, he must plant. He must do the work of planting the seed. Secondly, if he wants to harvest corn, he must plant a corn kernel, not a carrot seed. You don't get carrots from corn, and you don't get corn from carrots. You get corn from corn. 
And then thirdly, he is expecting a harvest much more than what he planted. Otherwise, why invest the time and the money in the fact that you have to plant the kernel? So there's going to be three things, investment, identity, increase. And then lastly, he must understand that it's going to take time for the seeds to grow. It would, be un, it would be unwise, it would be, it would be n- not, even, not even reasonable for him to think that he, I'm going to plant the kernel today and tomorrow go reap a harvest of corn. He knows that there's going to be a time process. It'd be unris- unrealistic for him if he planted today and expected corn tomorrow. And even though he doesn't see things happening in the field after he plants the corn, he's not going to dig up the seed and check on it. He's not going to go out in two weeks and, and dig up the kernel again and say, hey, is it sprouting? Is, is there anything happening? No, he's going to trust the fact that he planted that seed in that cold, damp soil, and the rains come and the sunshine comes, and before long it sprouts, and he's going to wait diligently, and he's going to cultivate the field, and he's going to fertilize it, and he's going to weed it, and he's patiently going to wait for that kernel that he planted to turn into a corn stalk in a few months, few weeks, and, re- and reap a, har- a, har- a bountiful harvest. So the key to this, this law is commitment. The key here is that the farmer is not trying to be a farmer. Rather, he is committed to being a farmer. He's not going to just try it out. No, he is, he is a farmer, and so it's not an issue. So we're going to come back to this point later and hit this point again, but the farmer is not just trying to be a farmer, but he actually is committed to be a farmer no matter what happens in that summer cycle of his life. So let's talk about three things today. Three things I want to talk about in the law of interval. Number one, the element of time in the process. Number two, one's commitment to consistency in the process. And then the third thing we want to talk about is God's faithfulness and his timing in it all. Our text is Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever reaps to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in good doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray for a minute. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're asking you to uh, bring this passage to light and this whole series of harvest. Lord, just make it alive in our hearts today and make us understand how it applies to me. How do I take these laws and how do I implement them so that you're glorified and that you are truly um, going to reap all that we've sown in a good way? And I just pray that you would just make this real to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So the element of time and the process. In the context of sowing and reaping, there is an interval of time before the reaping begins. Now this interval of time can be different depending upon what the seed is planted. Sometimes the interval is short, and sometimes it can be very long. Sometimes it can be very trying and require a lot of patience. Other times things happen, appear to happen very quickly. But rest assured, it doesn't make any difference if it's a long period or a short period. Rest assured that the harvest of the seed that was planted will come. The, true, the harvest laws are true, and God 
substantiate them and God lives by them and God brings the increase. So do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What does it mean to mock somebody? What does it mean to be mocked? It's not a good feeling, is it, to be mocked? It's not a good feeling to have your children or your employees or your friends mock what you say. It's a bad feeling. And here's the thing that we need to recognize, that God cannot be mocked, not just will not be mocked, (laughs) but God cannot be made a fool of. God's word is true. Whether you believe it or not, God's word is true, and he will not allow it to be mocked. He will bring to pass everything that he says to be bring to pass. God is serious about this law, and it always works, whether we're sowing to the flesh or to the spirit. It always works. God doesn't have a crop failure. It says, whoever sows to please their flesh, what's the flesh? The flesh is the carnal me. The flesh is my desires. The flesh is what I want. The flesh is my impatience. The flesh is my desires. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh, according to God's word, will reap what? What's it say? Destruction. Is destruction a good or bad thing? Do you want destruction in your life? I don't want it. It says, whoever sows to please the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to please the Spirit? Who is the Spirit? God's presence, the Holy Spirit, God's Word. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap what? Eternal life. So what do you want? Do you want destruction in your life? Or do you want eternal life? So we can't think that I can sow a different seed or one kind of a seed and get a different harvest. I am going to, according to the second law of identity, I'm going, I'm going to reap in like kind of what I've sown. That's what the laws are. So we can't think that because we don't believe that, that that's not going to happen. Remember, we just said God cannot be mocked. The God, the creator of all things, he will, he will bring it to pass. We cannot outmaneuver or outwit God in this in any way, shape, or form. We said this last week. Most of us spend the first six days of each week sowing wild oats. Then we go to church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. Fred Allen said that. I didn't come up with that. But how, 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 how true can that be? That some of us, maybe not you here, some of us, live our life the way we want to live our life during the week. Enjoying all of it, thinking that, oh, it's all grand, it's all good, but then comes Sunday morning and I'm praying, oh God, oh God, don't let that crop come to harvest because what I was doing isn't going to bring me life. We pray for crop failure. I wonder, I wonder if the reason that God is so direct here is because maybe in the past he's seen how easily people can become deceived. I mean, he's really clear here. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. I wonder if he has a reason 
to be that direct? Well, I look back to Adam and Eve, go back to the original couple. How easily was Eve deceived in the garden? In, an, in a garden of perfection, how easily was she deceived by a snake? To mock God and to say, ah, oh, God's not really going to do what he says. Go ahead, take a bite. If Eve could be deceived and then she could deceive her husband and they both, they both then enter into that so easily, how much easier is it for us? And then you could just go through the Bible and see example after example of how other people, the cycle of deception is, is, is rampant and it continues on and on and on throughout all the Bible, even into my life, even in maybe to your life. Have you ever been deceived? Is it, can we be deceived? Absolutely, we can be. So we need to look this, at this serious because God says if we do not weary in well-doing, for at the proper time, he will give us a harvest. Verse 9 says that. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, see, God has given us the encouragement here because he's telling us not to become weary or tired. Now, how many of us are tired? How many of us get tired in doing good? How many of us get tired in investing in righteousness all the time and, and, and holiness? And, and we can be living a godly life, and it isn't easy. It, it's not popular. And even when we're seemingly doing the right thing, it can still be hard for us. And so God is to give us an encouragement. He says, because when you keep on keeping on, in the proper time, God will provide a harvest that will far exceed anything that you can anticipate. That's the beautiful thing about God's harvest laws is that he gives us so much more than what we can ever even begin to appreciate it could be. When I am obediently following him and when I am planting the right seeds of righteousness and holiness, man, the harvest that he gives is, is so much more. It's in joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's all the fruit of the spirit, it's all of that good stuff. And so this is a great sense of encouragement for us today, especially in the times that we live in, because our times can be difficult. We can have diseases. We can have hard times in family relationships. We can have all kinds of stress and turmoil. But God's faithfulness is that he will always bring us the harvest. So that brings us to the point two, to consistency in the process. We have to be consistent in the process even while the process of time goes on, this is difficult. This is, I believe, a common dilemma that all people face is that we get into a position that we don't know what to do when I don't know what to do. So what do I do in those waiting times? What do I do in the, in, in the time of waiting? I need to be committed to the consistency in the process I may be living my life for God. I may be doing all the right things. I may be praying, reading my Bible. I may be faithfully attending church and my small groups and all the things that I do, but I still have problems in my life. So what do I do? How do I handle this interval? How do I handle this time? You've probably heard this song. This is a good example of what we can do in the waiting time.
There's really a lot of truth in that song. And as I just keep on doing the right things, 
as I am obediently waiting, and I keep doing the right things, and I don't give up. Verse 10 says, Therefore, we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, the law of interval provides multiple opportunities, meaning more than a one-time sowing event. Multiple opportunities. We, we spoke of a traveler on the first couple of weeks, of a thirsty traveler that traveled the desert, and he came upon this well that was a dry well. It was one of these pump-operating wells, and on the handle of the well read a note, and it says, and there was also a can of water there as well, and it says, if you pour in this can of water into the top of this well, it will bring more water up out of the well but you must first pour this water in because it will the dry the seals are dried out and it's not going to work unless you invest you can pump all you want but with a dry seal it's not going to bring up water so you pour the water in so he he's given some instruction and he has to pour that water into that well to trust the fact that it's going to bring a an increase it's going to bring water and it's going to quench his thirst and then he is to fill that can up and leave it for the next traveler that's coming behind him and one, we must recognize that we are on a journey here. And this traveler is in a big desert. And that one opportunity to quench his thirst is not going to give him all of his thirst quenching through the rest of his life as he's making this journey. So he's going to leave this place and he's going to go down to another well someplace else. And he's going to have to read probably a similar note. And he's probably going to have to reinvest the water again in that well. And he's going to have to do it again and again and again in his life. So we, as a Christian person, we're not, this is not a one-time investment. This is not a one-time sowing. This is a daily sowing. This is a continual process because we are like that man in that journey. And we are not at home in this place. We are journeying through life. And so when he comes to that next well, he's going to have to trust it again. And maybe he's going to do it so many times that when he gets to the 15th well, he's going to be saying, you know, I'm tired of water. I want, I want Gatorade. I want pop. And, you know, here's the deal. As long as he's investing water, he's going to get water. And this is the, this is the point I want to make. Sometimes we in our life start thinking, God, I'm tired of just getting the basics. I want more. And so I might start praying for something different. I might be praying for something out of God's will. I might be praying for something different, and God says, Mike, you're not ready for it. You need to be satisfied with the necessities of life. You need to be satisfied with the basics of life. And you know what? Here's the weary traveler. If that traveler ever makes it out of the desert and gets into a city where he has water, wherever he has water, then if he comes upon a Coke machine, maybe at that point he can put a buck in the Coke machine and get a Coke out and enjoy the Coke. But maybe it's at that point in time the wants are met. But God's promises to us, the laws say that the laws of the harvest say that as you are obedient to obey them, he will meet your need, but not necessarily your want. And I think it's very important that we understand that God meets our needs and sometimes our wants go unmet because we can get confused with our needs and our wants and we can then maybe get frustrated. We can say, oh, God's really not for me anymore. He doesn't love me anymore because look at all these things that I want that I don't have. And God's saying, Mike, I know you better than you know yourself. You need water. You don't need Coke. I'm giving you water. So be happy with the water. And then when you get to another season of your life, maybe I'll give you a Coke then. 
But right now, be satisfied with what I am providing. That's the promise of the laws of the harvest. God understands us better than we know ourselves. And it's not that God's not concerned about our wants. It's just that he knows what's best for us. So it's so much better for me to recognize the fact that I just need to trust him for the necessities of life, knowing that he's got my best interest in mind. And when I have to say no to some things, it's because God's saying no to some things to protect me from myself. Do you know that? Have you ever felt that in your life? Sometimes we get so enamored with getting more and more and more, and all these things will sooner or later it just take us over. I can remember my dad saying, you know, when he would be working on some things that were blessings in his life, no question about it, but he would often say, who owns who? Do I own the boat or does the boat own me? When he had his head down in the bottom with that diesel engines and fixing it and he's sick for the rocking of the boat and the diesel smell, he'd come up and say, who owns who? (laughs) Does this boat own me or do I own the boat? Sometimes we get so many things busy in our life that we forget who owns who. So I hope that you're getting the picture of what it means to be a Christian on a journey through life that isn't always designed to be the way we think it should be. But yet we're journeying on a life. We're, in a, we're living daily, and as we're instructed to plant spiritual seeds that we can expect to have spiritual harvest in our life. God's promises are true, and he is faithful, and he will get us to the end as we trust him and as we're consistent in the process that no matter what he's asking of us is never too hard. It's only for our good that we continue to obey him. Remember what we said at the beginning, the farmer isn't trying to be a farmer. Rather, he is committed to being a farmer. There's a difference between trying and being committed. The farmer knows every day he's going to have to get up and do some certain tasks that may, that may not directly relate to the harvest. He may have to fix his tractor. He may have to pay his bills. He may have to do something totally different than what it means to plant seeds and harvest, but yet he's committed to doing whatever it takes to be a farmer. It becomes his identity. His identity is that, is that he is a farmer, and that's what he's going to be, and that's the kind of commitment that we need to be Christ-like. I need to be committed to being Christ-like. I don't try Christianity I don't try it and see if it works. If it works, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stay a Christian. No, I'm committed to it. It becomes my identity to be more like Christ. Every day, I'm committed to being more like Christ. And as I do that, what am I doing? I'm planting spiritual seeds that he will bring the harvest to. So as I relate this to our spiritual life, the Christian person needs to develop a consistent pattern of investing himself and his resources in multiple opportunities expecting God to faithfully bring the increase. That's my job, to be consistent in my planting, to be consistent in my investing, okay? How does that relate to church? I bring my tithe on a regular basis. I bring my offerings on a regular basis. I'm continuing to invest in my church. I'm continuing to invest in the kingdom. And as I continue to do that, I'm proving to God that I'm just not trying out Christianity. No, I'm committed to being a Christ-like follower, I'm committed to this thing called being a Christian. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm doing good to people. 
I'm doing all the things that I should be doing multiple ways. And that's exactly what we as Christians need to be doing, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't feel good. I need to do that. And then this brings us finally to our third and most important part is that we need to understand number three, God's faithfulness and his timing. God's faithfulness and his timing. God's timing. This is important. God's timing, even though it may not always be what we think it should be, his timing is always perfect. He never misses an opportunity. God's never late. The old saying is he's never late and seldom early. Well, I will, can I say this? I think he's never late and he's never early. He's always right on time. He does it just exactly the right time. He's always perfect in the cadence of life, the cadence that, he's, that he created. Remember who he is. He is the creator. And everything that he's created, he's also sustaining. He's not just, he's not a deist. He's, he's, a, he's a God that's concerned with the, with the affairs of mankind. He just didn't establish it and then just goes off in the, in the universe and, and is, is busy someplace else doing other things. No, he's very, very concerned with what's going on in your life. And he's allowing things to happen in his perfect timing. It may not be easy to, for us. It may be difficult. As that song said, even in the pain, I'm waiting and I'm worshiping and I'm serving and I'm obeying. I will say that the key to having peace is obedience. The key to having peace is the fact that I'm obedient to what the word says. Because when I'm obedient to what the word says, then the Lord will bring a level of peace into my life. If I'm not obedient, I won't have peace. If I'm not following, if I'm not living a Christ-like life, there will be discord and there will be, there will be contention and there will be fear because there's no obedience Obedience proves the fact that I love him. It proves the fact that he is my all in all and I'm committed to being a Christ-like person. I'm committed to being a follower of Christ when I willingly obey him. Then I can have peace. Then I can have all that assurance that comes with that knowing that I have eternal life in store for me. But if I'm living in disobedience, then you can't have peace. That wouldn't be faithful to God's harvest laws. That would be the same thing as sowing corn and getting carrots. It doesn't happen. Discord, disobedience brings contention, frustration, fear. I will say that obedience always doesn't bring what you want, but it will bring peace because in your obedience you are, doing, you are being faithful and you are seeking his will over your will. That I can have peace in. That I can have assurance in. The farmer plants the seed, and God does the work. And from my own experience in my life, talking about my spiritual life, it's the same thing. God is in control of when he's going to bring the success. Whatever that success looks like. I can remember when I was running Pine River Elog, and in fact, that song that we played was a big thing for me. That was back in 2009 or maybe before, because maybe before that. And that song really spoke to me because I was in the struggle of waiting for Elog to be successful. And we all know it wasn't successful. But I was waiting, and I was worshiping, and I was serving. And God redefined success for me. 
Success isn't always what I think it's going to be. That hurt. It was a painful experience. But through that experience, God says, Mike, I'm going to redefine some things for you. I'm going to redefine what success really is. Success isn't what I can hold in my hands. Success is what tomorrow is going to bring, and that's eternal life. That's hope and peace and patience and joy and goodness. That only comes through obedience to him. And as I was obedient in the process, I thought, God, surely, surely it's going to be successful. He said it is. But in my plan, in my timing, and what I wanted to do in your life, I know some of you are facing the same thing. I know some of you are facing the same difficulties, and I just want to encourage you not to give up because his definition of success is different than mine. It's different than yours. It's different than the world's. The world gives a success that does not last. The world gives a success that is something that's only as good as I can hold it in my hand, and as soon as I'm gone, it's gone, or sooner. Wow. Mark chapter 4, beginning at 26. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Do you understand how the seed grows? Do you understand how that you put that dead kernel, because that kernel is dried, it's dead, you put it in cold, wet soil, and something happens, something miraculously happens that springs life back into that dead seed, and all of a sudden it grows and becomes a living plant. I don't understand how that happens, do you? All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, the farmer puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. That's the harvest laws. That's what God is doing. God is not only the creator of everything, he is also the ongoing sustainer of everything. And every law that he created, he sustains. He is faithful. So in this, we have our hope and our trust as we place our faith in him, no matter what the moments are going on in my life right now. I'm faithful. Joni, you're faithful in the cancer. You're faithful knowing that the creator is sustaining your life. You're faithful in that time. You're serving. You're worshiping. You're going through the waiting time is hard. I get that. But we're serving and we're worshiping and we're waiting patiently knowing that he is going to bring a harvest of health and strength. And it may not be this life, but it's the next one for sure. I know we prayed for my dad multiple times and he still died. But I know spiritually he's alive today because a spiritual man was healed in that time. That's success. That's the definition of success. When the Lord heals the spiritual man, that's success. That's eternal life. That's hope. That's peace. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about what we're talking about. I know it's easy to get discouraged in life because we may, do, we may be doing all the right things, yet we don't see what we think should be happening. Recognize that just as that seed is working in the soil, God is working in the spiritual seed in your life. He's doing some things in your life that you may not recognize, you may not see it, you may not agree with it. So take heart, but don't give up in it. But even as I say this, I'm reminded of the fact that we are going to have troubles in this life. We're going to have problems in this life, so don't be surprised. Peter understood it. He wrote about it in, in 1 Peter chapter 4. Recognize that every disciple of Christ 
was martyred besides John the Revelator. Every one of the disciples that saw Jesus, that walked with him, that talked with him, that knew him as he was, was a man, and then saw him ascend, saw him die, saw him be resurrected. Was their life easy after that? No, they suffered, and they went through much persecution and distress, and so much more we should expect something similar. So don't lose heart. I've got to bring a balance here because I don't want you to walk away thinking that once you become a Christian, life's going to be easy. But it's going to be worth it. First Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Skipping to verse 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should, here's the word, commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. In the waiting, we commit ourselves to Christ and we continue to, good, to do good. Paul said the same thing in our text. He says, let us not become weary in good doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us continue to do good to all people, especially to the believers. I'm wrapping up here pretty quick. Doyle Dyke said something last week when he was here. Doyle said, God is not limited by anything in the universe other than by the timing in our life to be prepared to receive his blessing. Listen to that. God is not limited by anything in the universe other than by the timing or our willingness and our preparedness to receive his blessing. And can I suggest this morning that maybe you and I aren't always in the position to receive God's blessing? Maybe I'm not always in the right spot where God can bless me because maybe I'm not being obedient in some areas. Maybe God's got to work some things out in my life before he can bless me because I'm not prepared. Therefore, he says, I want to bless you, Mike. I want to pour out my goodness on you, but I have to do some work in your life first. You have, to, you have to surrender some things. You have to submit to some things here. You have to do this so that I can do that. Let me clarify something. That does not change his love for me. His love for me is unconditional, and his love for me never changes. It's perfect. But if I want blessings, if I want those things in my life that he promises me, I must be in an attitude of submission. Hmm. I may come back to that in another another message because there's a whole message right there. Don't have time today. Ephesians chapter 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of, of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is God's faithfulness. My God will meet all of my needs. Your God will meet all of your needs. Our God will meet all of our needs according to his riches. Not according to what I can figure out. No, according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Jackie, would you come and we'll start wrapping this up. So as we wrap up this series, the law of investment says that I reap only if I sow. Don't be misled here. Don't be, this is very important. You may say, I don't agree with that, Mike. I, I don't agree with this teaching. Well, let me just say, if you decide that you're just not going to buy into this 
I'm still, I'm telling you, you're still sowing something. <laughs> you're still sowing something. You're sowing in unbelief, and thus you will reap a harvest of unbelief. It doesn't make any difference. God's laws circumvent us. It doesn't make any difference if I agree with this or not. If, if I'm sowing unbelief, I'm going to reap unbelief. Identity, you reap what you sow. Are you sowing seeds that you really want to grow? Are you find yourself, are you, do you find yourself sowing wild oats all week long and then really praying that God don't bring that harvest to bear? That's the law of identity. The law of increase says you will reap more than you sow. Understanding how you react to investment and identity will result in an increased amount of what you've invested yourself in. So are you making good choices? Because what you're choosing to do will bring an increase of those in your reaping time. And then interval, finally, are you committed to living a Christian life? And are you committed to being consistent this morning? If you are, this promise is true. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you love him, listen to that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those And if we stop there, that's an open-ended comment. That's an open-ended structure, and God doesn't leave anything open-ended. He works for the good of those who do what? Who love him. If you love him, you obey him. You've got to read the whole scripture. You read him, you love him, you obey him. You've been called according to his purpose. God promises to take care of you. And here's the final question for the day. Are we foolishly spending our time or are we wisely investing our time? There's a difference between spending and investing. What I spend, I don't get anything back on. I can spend my money in a lot of stupid things and get nothing out of it. Or I can invest my money in some wise investments and get a great return out of it. Your time is more valuable than your money. So the question is, are you wisely investing it the time that we have right now the days that we live right now are we wisely investing it or are we foolishly spending it big difference there think about that today think about that go home and think about that am I wisely investing my time do I want to reap what I'm sowing or am I or am I foolishly spending wasting my time what do you do on your days off? What do you do when you have spare time? Are you wasting it? Are you spending it or are you investing it? Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we've said a lot over the past weeks on the laws of the harvest. But Lord, I pray that you bring it all to bear today. I pray, Father, that you would just bring it all together and that we would see our life as one big field. And that we have to continue to invest and plant seeds. And are we planting fleshly seeds or are we planting spiritual seeds? This morning as we take just a moment, do you understand what was was said today? Do you fully grasp what the word's saying? This is the gospel, maybe in a little different format. The good news 
is that Jesus invested himself. Jesus was that dead seed as he died on the cross and was buried in the ground that was brought back to life and resurrected to be the firstborn of many. And while he did that, he paid for my sin. He paid for your sin. The good news says that if I receive that and apply that into my life and accept him and ask him to forgive me of my sins, that puts me in the right relationship with him. Now, once I'm in right relationship, now I can apply the laws of the harvest to bring great increase in my life, both in this life here that I have left and most importantly for all of eternity that never, ever ends. The choices we make today will determine where I spend eternity forever and ever and ever. So are you investing or are you spending your time? As all eyes are closed this morning, I want to just bring this challenge to bear. If you're simply spending your time, it's never too late to start investing. It's never too late to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've been wasting a lot of time. I've been wasting a lot of time. Now I want to start investing time today, beginning right now, beginning today. If you want to start investing your seed, it's a simple thing to do. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done, for the time that I've wasted, for the sins that I've committed. I recognize that I've done things that are sinful things, not just bad things, sinful things. Things that you died for. And now I accept your forgiveness. I accept the sacrifice that you paid. And I'm choosing now to receive that into my life. So please forgive me. Help me to invest my life beginning today differently than I did yesterday. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing at the end as we wrap up today. I surrender all. Stand with me if you would.
Father, we surrender all to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that everyone in this building, everyone listening to this, would just see the importance and the significance of submission and surrender as part of the process of planting the seeds. So, Father, we do that, and we plant them, and we just are waiting now for the increase. We're waiting for the seeds to grow up, to be harvested. And, Lord, I look forward to that day of looking at you, looking in your face directly, and your lies looking upon me and saying, Well done, thou good and faithful, as I planted faithfully through the years. And I've waited through the, through the time. I've let your process work. And I pray this for all of us this morning. And I pray I play blessing on this church and on this community. And I just pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen.